Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we explore and embrace what it means to live out the feminine genius in our daily lives as Catholic women. I'm Chloe Langer, and in today's episode, I'm sitting down with Kim Zimber, and we are talking about same-sex attraction. But really, the conversation is about how to examine our hearts and our lives and make sure that Christ is the king of our entire life and topple any idols that are standing in the way of our journey back to his heart and the journey of becoming the women he's created us to be. We also talk about Kim's work in Ethiopia and how serving the women and children there has led to a deeper healing in her own life. This is a beautiful conversation. I cannot wait to share it with you. If you've ever felt alone in your attraction towards a woman as a woman, or you're looking for resources and advice on how to lovingly support women in your life who experience same-sex attraction, sister, this letter is for you. Before we dive in, I want to tell you a little bit about a sponsor for today's episode, Be Rooted Bead Co. If you know me or you've been listening to Letters to Men Belong, you know that I am both a little details person and a person who loves the tangible aspects of our faith as Catholics. That is why I love Be Rooted Bead Co.'s mission, which is about creating small bracelets that are meant to keep us rooted in the present moment because it's in the past and the future that shame and anxiety reside. All bracelets are handmade with love and attention to detail. I am loving my custom beloved bracelet that I stack with the fiat. You can find all of Madison's work at berootedbeadco.com and use the code CHLOE15, C-H-L-O-E-1-5 at checkout for 15% off your purchase at berootedbeadco.com. All right, let's dive into this conversation with Kim. I'm welcoming to the show Kim Zimber. Kim speaks internationally about the love and freedom that she has found in her life. She loves people and strives to be totally transparent and help others know that they're safe to do the same. When Kim is not in Southern California, she's most likely found in her home away from home in Ethiopia, surrounded by her 280 plus children. Kim, welcome to Letters to Women. It's so good to have you on the show. I'm honored. So today we're going to be having a conversation about a brand new book that you've written about your experience with same-sex attraction and how to find peace and joy in our daily lives. But to start us off, Kim, can you share a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Yeah, it's been an interesting one. Um, you know, I was born and raised Catholic. You know, I have two older brothers. Parents were actually high school sweethearts and um, just really a, a beautiful upbringing. Went to private Catholic school, third grade through eighth grade, and then went into uh, public school, my high school, my freshman year. Um, and that's where everything kind of shifted. So I, I remember though, growing up, um, for me, you know, I had two older brothers and so I was not a girly girl, I guess, you know, I was labeled a tomboy. I don't even know what that means, but, um, it doesn't really make sense to me, but anyways, uh, everybody knows what that means. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I like to play with my brothers. I like to play with the boys. And so for me, I didn't, I didn't love dresses. I didn't love all things feminine. Um, but I never questioned that I was a girl and I never was sad that I was a girl, uh, except for when my brothers would say, Hey, you can't play with us. We're, you know, only the boys are playing. Um, uh, but it was for moments like that. It was never questioning my, my identity as, as a female. Um, but into my high school and, and I never actually, this is important to know. I never really envisioned a marriage. Um, I know that might sound a little strange, but even when I was younger and my, you know, little friends, the girls would talk about what they were going to wear on their wedding day and, what their, you know, husband would look like. I was like, I don't see it. <laughs> I just don't see it. Uh, and, and I was okay with that. It wasn't, it was a little bit as, as I got older and people, you know, my friends started to get more serious about talking about, you know, what's their, how many kids they want. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's up with me? Like, you know, I, I didn't really see it. And um, it wasn't until my high school years um, that I think it got more serious, you know, because 
people start dating a little more seriously and whatnot. And that thing that everybody's been talking about now becomes a little more, you know, um, on the forefront per se. And so, um, you know, I started dating guys in high school and every one of them wanted to have sex. And I was like, okay, you know what? This ain't going to work. I, I really like them, but there's no drawing a line and it just makes it uncomfortable. It's ruining the friendships we had, you know, between me and, and the guy. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done dating. I'm, I'm not going to date in high school because clearly I can't, if I'm attracted to him, uh, he usually wants to have sex. If I'm not attracted, he's fine with not having sex, but then it was hard for me to be in a relationship. So it was really like, okay, you know what? I don't need this anyways. The odds of me marrying someone that I'm dating in high school is probably pretty slim to none. Um, so I'm going to just keep this just out of my life. Well, removing that from my life, okay, that could be a good thing, but I was still craving intimacy. And I'm I'm not talking about sexual intimacy. I'm I'm talking about intimacy. I'm talking about all my friends are dating and have their significant other. And there I was without. And so that was really hard um, to deal with. But again, I wasn't willing to have sex either. And it was hard to stay in a relationship without that. And so I was kind of, and I don't blame um, me starting to date women and go to women on that, but it, it is a factor, right? Um, also, also important to note that I never had any sexual, physical abuse done to me when I was young. Um, so I don't know where the desires for women came from. All I know is since a young age, I was always drawn to women. I enjoyed guys. I, I had fun with them, but I just had this draw to women. And, um, and so my senior year of high school is when I was like, you know what? There was a girl and uh, I was like, you know what? She's not dating. <laughs> uh, we really get along. And people had said that she was gay. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. She looked like Britney Spears. I'm thinking, what is going on? Like, you know, back then it was like it, women who were maybe seen as gay or, or were living a, you know, lesbian um, lifestyle kind of look more masculine. And so this girl didn't. I'm thinking, huh, well, I'm attracted to her. Like, I'm, I can see she's beautiful. I love hanging out with her we have a great time. What does that say about me? Um, and so I started kind of put like some seeds in my mind and, um, and then it was, yeah, the end tail end of the senior year when something between us physical had happened and that changed absolutely everything for me. So that, that kind of gives you a background at least. Um, and I'll zip my mouth and, and see what questions you got from there. <laughs> no, that's a great starting spot. So I learned about your story through a book that you just wrote with Sophia Institute Press called Restless Heart, My Struggle with Life and Sexuality. And in the book, you continue to share the story that you're sharing right now, which is your desires for women and, and money and comfort and how they led, that, led you away from the Christian upbringing that you mentioned in the beginning of your story. And mm -hmm. you share this story in such a beautifully healthy, vulnerable way. Can you tell me about the inspiration? What inspired you to sit down and write down your story in, in a book form and have it published? <laughs> well, uh, it came with a lot of resistance. Um, I never wanted to share any of my experiences. I actually told God, quote unquote, I don't know if I've ever said this in an interview, but many people know it that are close to me. I actually told God, I said, you can have my whole life. I'll, I'll do whatever you want, but I will not. And I was like, mark my words. <laughs> I will not share about sexuality. I said, that one's off limits. And of course, where I resisted, he persisted. And so, you know, I, I shared um, one time uh, at, a, at a women's prison. It's actually written in the book. And um, the women's response to God's work in my life um, and all my failures, all my falls, all my bad choices um, and, and them being able to like find hope 
in that and find hope in Christ, I was like, oh my gosh, uh oh, I think this is a new calling. Like, no, come on, come on, come Lord. on. And, and yeah, and so I, I started sharing more and more uh, as doors open, never knocking on the door, like, oh, can I tell you how horrible I was, you know? Um, but, you know, just one led to another and God just kept moving in it. And then, um, yeah, I just continued to hear through every time I'd share it. Well, did you write a book? Have you written a book? Is there a movie? I'm like, whoa, easy. No, <laughs> no. Like you get up and talk about all your junk you've done, you know, and then we'll write a book together. Um, and so, you know, um, but I, but I did have a desire to share only because I saw what God was doing with it. Right. And so it, it wasn't until, you know, many things kind of happened, but it was uh, actually a woman who was in a relationship with another woman um, that I was on an airplane coming back from sharing at a max security prison and she recognized something and blah, blah, blah. And she was super angry at me in the beginning. I'm like, I didn't even say anything. You can't hate me till you know me. You, you have every right to hate me after you know me, but at least know me and then don't like me. But um, she had just judged me, uh, which we do so much with each other. But anyways, long story short, um, she's, I said, you can hate me after you know me. If you want to know my story, I'd love to share it. Um, and then you have every right. And she's like, go ahead. <laughs> and so I started telling her and I, I started like zipping through because, you know, we only had a two hour flight and, um, and she's like, Oh no, 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 no. Don't jump over details. I want to know all this. And I'm like, Oh man. I was like, I, I can't, I've lived 36 years, you know, like at that time, 34, I think. And, uh, and so she said, you need to write a book. And this is a woman who is actively dating a woman for two years was an LGBTQ activist. Like, and so I was like, okay, God, I get it. And, and God had been speaking to me all throughout, you know, you're going to write a book. I'm like, no, I'm not, <laughs> you know, and, and this was before this was, you know, when I was in my twenties and I'm like, what the heck, you're not going to like the book I'm going to write. So I wouldn't keep pushing me to write a book. And so um, it was through a lot of different ways that the Lord used um, and spoke through a lot of different people. And then he spoke privately to me. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't a force. It was an invitation. Um, and it was an invitation to die more to self. Um, to, to, you know, to speak publicly about the things I've done and how good God is in the midst of all of that um, is one thing. Um, but then when he asked me to write it um, and put it out there for the whole world, literally whoever wants to see it um, or whoever wants to run me through the mud for it, you know, or whatever, um, that it was a deeper surrender. Um, and so anytime he invites me to a deeper surrender, I, I pray, I say yes. And so this was a, a yes to a deeper surrender. Oh, I love that. I love that journey of surrender that you can trace through as you're reading your story through the book. I just think it speaks so beautifully into what the reality of a Christian life is, which it's not this one and done, yeah. like one moment of surrender and, and, and that's it. And we no. move on. Oh man, that would be easier, but that's not how the Lord works. But um, no. yeah, that is just this constant series of moments and movements of conversion. In the book, there's this beautiful section where you talk about when you asked God to reveal your heart to yourself, and God brought back a childhood memory and a desire to serve the poor in Africa. Can you share more about what is now Unforgotten Faces, which is a nonprofit that you founded to serve single moms and their children, and then also speak into what role that missionary work played in your own story when it came to finding healing and finding rest? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was one of the most pivotal um, heart opening moments, you know, when I asked God, I just said, and I meant it, I said, God, show me my heart. Cause I was so lost in materialism and everything. And, and, um, he had, like you had said, showed me a memory when I was a child that I wanted to go to Africa and quote unquote, play with the kids. That's what I told my mom. That's what I told the priest. And, um, I didn't know that when I got to Africa at 23 by myself, 
that actually, yeah, I would be playing with the kids. And to this day, that's still my favorite thing to do with all the kids over there is play with them. And they know that they like take off their shoes and get the ball out (laughs) um, right when I walk in. Um, But I didn't know that there was going to be a lot more behind that. And the Lord, you know, just in his, I mean, we're his kids. He knows how he created us. And so he knew what would get my heart there. Um, And so when I went to, to Ethiopia for the first time, really what, what God had done with, with the, yes, he invited, I said, yes. And then in that place, he had shown me that, that life is more, more than about myself. And so when I saw kids who had no idea where their next meal was coming from, who couldn't go to school, who didn't really even have shoes on their feet, nobody in the United States would call what they were wearing on their feet shoes. It was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, God, you've given me all these gifts and I didn't give them to myself. Like, and I've just been using them for me. I've been using them to to be in relationship. I've been using them to make money. I've been using them X, Y, and Z, right? But all self-serving. And when I got to Ethiopia, it was like, oh my gosh, it was as if I had begun to discover what life was really about, that I actually was going to find life in giving mine up. And, um, and that's a constant journey. And so, yeah, I mean, it's been 13 years um, and Ethiopia is my home. I mean, it's it's so much of where, yeah, I was birthed in San Diego or in, you know, Southern California, but um, my heart came to life in Ethiopia. That is where the shell of selfishness began to crack off. That's where, um, you know, the, the vision outside of myself uh, began to come clear. And so I am forever grateful. Um, you know, people always say, oh, thank you so much for what you do over there. I'm like, oh, come on, hold on, hold on. Do you understand that God used these beautiful people to transform my heart? Like literally like I could never, and, and yes, I'm thankful that I can provide, you know, through so many people's hearts, provide food and healthcare and education and, you know, training and, and all of that and, and help them to see who they are through the eyes of Christ. Um, but they've got to use them to give me life, you know? And so, you know, he says, you know, man does not survive on bread alone and, and I'm able you know, through the help of so many, God has used to to supply for them. But we're talking about a soul thing that He's done through them. Um, so it's it's yeah, it's amazing. I, I very often get lost for words because my my little silly words can't fully describe um, that transformation that that begun then and is continuing now, still to this day. We're gonna circle back to that at the very end, so listeners can find out more about Unforgotten Faces and the work that you're doing in Ethiopia. But I'd love to dive, continue to dive deeper with you into some stories that you share in the book. You have a section where you share how your relationships with women weren't sitting well, and you had reached out to Christian counselors and priests in your life for their advice, and you asked them to speak into your situation. And each time that you turned to someone, they told you that the relationships were fine. Sometimes sharing that they thought the Catholic Church needed to speed up and get up with the times, and you have this beautiful beautiful line that you write when you say it was out of compassion, you know, but compassion without truth is false compassion. What encouraged you in those moments to keep seeking the truth instead of just taking the advice of these three trusted people that you shared your story with? I can only say it was the grace of God um, because my flesh wanted to hear um, exactly what they were telling me. I wanted to believe what they were saying is true, but by God's grace and mercy, you know, I was baptized when I was a baby. So the spirit of God was within me uh, and then activated even more at confirmation. And, you know, and I never gave up going to church, though I was the wayward kid. I always ran back on Sunday, uh, at least, um, you know, the shell of myself ran back. My heart was longing for the Lord. 
And so I believe God in his, in his all knowingness and his grace um, wouldn't let me believe a lie or a half truth as true. And uh, I am forever thankful to him for that. And for the family that, that, you know, he, he chose to be mine that raised me in truth um, that did care about loving me, but not outside of God's truth. Um, They're not perfect, uh, but they did. My parents did an amazing job of making sure that everything was rooted in Christ and in his truth, not our own. So That's beautiful. Yeah, I loved there's a couple of points along the story where you shared that your brothers and your conversations that you had with your brothers when you're in relationships with women and how they just beautifully, I think, lovingly pointed out how much how much worthy you were of, of love and truth. And it was just really beautiful to read those those conversations. Yeah, they were super difficult to have. Um, I hated, yeah, hated hearing every word of them in the moment. But like, there was a part of me that was like, gosh, I know I need this. Like, this is true. You know, it's like, it's like if you realize, you know, man, I'm kind of feeling sluggish. I'm a little bit overweight, you know, but you don't fully realize how unhealthy you are. You're, you're aware of it, but you don't want to be that aware of it. Cause then you got to do something. And then someone you love is like, Hey, you know what? I love you. And you got to get to the gym, hon. Like we got to stop pounding, you know, brownies or whatever. And it's like, you don't want to hear that. Your flesh doesn't want to hear it, but your soul is like, yeah, I was given one temple and, and I'm not operating at full capacity right now. Like this is not what God has for me. And so on a, you know, different note, I was, I was doing that as well. You know what I mean? I knew I was spiritually out of shape. I knew that I was letting myself go just to the flesh. And I think we do that so often, right? Um, not just with sexuality, but so much other stuff. So in another section of your book, you reflect on the line, love is love. I think that's something that we hear quite a bit in today's culture and society. And you have a line where you write, I was realizing that my desires were not just about attraction. It was about companionship. This is something you've spoken to really beautifully ahead of our earlier in our conversation. Um, and back, back to this quote, not just saying no, but letting God fill that part of my heart in your life today, especially cause we're still, we're all still on this journey of healing and, and journeying back to the father's heart. What does it look like practically, not just to say no to those attractions, especially when the world is just encouraging you to say yes to those attractions, but also to let God fill those parts of your heart? Well, yeah. I mean, we got to remember too, like God doesn't have a say no to things just to say no to things. It's because he's got a greater yes. Right. And so for me, I mean, I just, I just actually on Friday, I realized like, oh my gosh, Lord, sure. I'm by your grace and, and me cooperating with your grace. I have not been with women in over six years, five years, six years. I don't know. I'm not very good with time, but a long time. (laughs) And for me, that's a miracle, um, truly. So, um, or to be with anybody, you know? And so I'm like, but, but whoa, I can have emotional connections that, that they're first, that I've got these emotional ties that are coming before you. And so the Lord just, so it's, this is important to note. It says the kindness of the Lord leads to repentance. And so God just was so tenderly, kind of just revealing some things to my heart and my mind. And so just a few days ago, I realized like, oh my gosh, I've let friends go in number one place. There's nothing sexual happening. There's nothing like that, but whoa, my affections, my, my, you know, I wake up and I'm, I'm not eager to, to hear from the Lord or talk to the Lord. I want to hear from my friend, you know, and, and the friendship's beautiful and it's godly and it's, and it's holy, but whoa, if it comes before God, it's not right. Like anything in first place, even good ministries, Ethiopia, right? Like unforgotten faces, whatever the book, like all good, godly, wonderful. And, and I believe God ordained, but if it comes before him, I've missed it all. Right. And so um, I think that's a constant thing in my life. And I pray that the 
Holy Spirit continue, continues to keep me sensitive to that. Like, whoa, is anything on the throne of my heart or is anyone on the throne of my heart? Because if I say that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life, he is on the throne. He now I've given him by the free will he's blessed me with. I've given him authority over every aspect of my life, over my desires, over my dreams, over my wishes, over my career, whatever it might be. And so I want him to always be enthroned on my heart. And so, and then he right then now orchestrates the rest of my life. Everything else can fall into line under him. Yeah. I love that. Such a good reminder. Cause I think when it comes to examining our heart, examining our conscience, it can be easy to look at kind of the more blatant or obvious things that are not of God that we put before him, but it's harder to find those things that, you know, he has given us as a gift or that point us back towards him. And then to see that, yeah, that kind of gut check of realizing, no, I'm putting that in front of God too. Right. And we look, we look at Abraham and Isaac, right? (laughs) Isaac was a gift from God, a miracle really, you know, and there God goes and checks his heart, you know, is this gift that I've given greater than the gift giver, right? And so I think so often, you know, whether it be parents, you know, for their children or or for people with their ministries or their call in life, it's like we sometimes elevate that gift above the giver of the gift and and then it's out of line, right? And then our hearts become attached to things that God never asked us to be attached to. That doesn't mean we don't love and we don't um, have a great, you know, longing for, but there, it should never exceed the longing for God himself. Amen. Yeah, I remember I was just looking on Instagram yesterday. I saw a, a caption that said something to the extent of Catholic Instagram is not a replacement for prayer. Like reading about God is not Amen. a replacement yeah. for his relationship with him. It's like, oh, I needed Amen. that. Dang it. <laughs> I need that to yep. pop in my feet yep. a little bit more. <laughs> Absolutely. And and the reminder that when he when he brings these things up, he's not mad at us. He's like, hey, I have more. When your heart is attached to mine, when when you are literally yoked to me right now through Christ Jesus, is the only way to the father. Right. And so when we are yoked to Jesus, then all things will come. Right. It doesn't mean rainbow and lollipops. I mean, there's going to be struggles, but he is strong enough. Right. And so he becomes our strength instead of someone else. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Reading today's on the day we're recording today's scripture from the first reading is is St. Paul talking about, you know, beloved, like, look, if, if this is how the Lord treated us when we were enemies, when we were sinning against him and he gave his only son to die for us, imagine how much more there is now that we are called children of God. Like how much more if this is how he treated us when we were despising and killing his son. His love mm-hmm. is so unimaginable. The gifts that he gives are so lavish and beautiful. But I think too often we think of God, you know, that God's heart is like our heart and that's not, not true. Right. No, Mm -hmm. it's not. It's Mm -hmm. not at all. Some women who are listening to this podcast episode may not experience same-sex attraction themselves, but maybe they know and love someone, a friend, a family member who does have that experience. Do you have any advice as to how these women can accompany people in their lives who experience same-sex attraction, whether they're friends or family members and what, what it looks like to support them well? Yeah. I mean, number one is prayer. Um, we will never go wrong with praying for someone and let's not forget, you don't have to be like, and I'm praying for you. <laughs> like you just go into your room and pray, you know, what no one sees. And so, so, and I'm not saying you can't say you're praying for someone, but you know, that really interceding for them, praying, lifting them up, doing novenas, fasting for them, um, you know, dying to self for someone else's soul. Uh, and, and then we have an accountability, um, through prayer. We realize that, whoa, God might be calling us to speak up, right? Um, now here's something important. 
most people don't care what you say until they know that you care. So check your relationship. Do you really have a relationship with them? Or do you, are you just popping into their life because you saw on, on a social media feed that they're now dating a woman or the same sex, right? Um, and now you want to speak into their life. It's like, well, do you know how they are? Do you know what they've been through? And, and see how we are and what we've been through never justifies any sin that we're walking in. But there's a part that when we speak, I pray, and for myself, of course, as well, is that it comes from a place of compassion, right, of love for them. See, when we start to separate truth from love and love from truth, we've separated who Jesus is, and then we've recreated a new Christ. So Jesus was not all truth in the sense of, you know, like a Hitler, this is wrong and you're done, you know? It, Jesus was not Hitler, and, and then he wasn't like, ah, peace and love, bro, like, you're all good, high five and sinners. No, no, he wasn't a hippie. So he's not Hitler and he's not a hippie. Um, but sometimes we, oh, well, that's judgmental if I say this. No, let's not forget, we didn't make up what sin is. See, when somebody asks me, so is homosexuality a sin? I'm not scared to say the act of homosexuality is a sin. And if they say that's judgmental, I say, I didn't write the Bible. I didn't, I didn't write the laws and the ways of God. But I do know the father who loves me and loves you, who everything he, everything he wrote, wrote for love for us and back for the good and glory of God. And so I can say what is sin and what is not sin, not based on my own ideas. And so we, we really need to remember that. I didn't create the teachings of the church. God instituted through Jesus Christ when he pointed at Peter, right? And said, upon this rock, I build my church and, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we have to trust that. We have to trust the Lord. And so in that, to speak in truth and love, don't separate those don't become Hitler. Don't become a hippie. Neither one of those are a reflection of Christ. And, and here's the other thing. We're called to reflect Christ. Well, last time I checked, I never see the reflection of myself in the mirror unless I'm staring at it. And so if we want to reflect Christ, we best be staring at him. We best be staring at him through his word, through time and prayer, through adoration, through the sacraments of the church, um, through love for one another. And that's when we'll reflect who we're staring at. And so if we want to be an image of Christ in this world, he best be who we look at most in the day. Mm, that's beautiful. I love how the practical those are too. That's incredibly helpful. On the flip side of the coin, th there will be some women who who hit play on our podcast episode today because they they themselves experience same sex attraction. For the women mm. who are listening who are who are in that experience, what encouragement would you give them as they seek out that peace and joy that you speak into so beautifully in your new book and, and in this conversation? Don't limit Jesus. Don't let the world tell you he's not able to do something because he is a God that was, is, and always will be. Uh, people have said, oh, he, you know, that was back in the day. No, 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 no. Jesus is and was and always will be. And what he has and continues to do in my life to set me free, not just from, from disordered desires that don't align to his will, but from, you know, and those disordered desires are self-love and pride. Yeah, desires sexually for women was one of them, but it's not the only sin that I was dealing with. Um, and, and more keep popping up and he, he keeps taking care of those. He's a savior that didn't come as we talked about earlier. He's not a one hit wonder. He's not a magician, right? This is a relationship. He calls us, he is called the bridegroom and we're called the bride. He has called us to be his own. He, he wants a marriage between us. You know, we know that, there, that there's no marriage. There's no husband or wife in heaven, but there is one marriage feast we're called to, and we are called to be that bride. I don't want to start that when I get to heaven. I want to start that now. I want to get to know him now. I want to fall in love now. 
And I will tell you from my own experience, there is no love greater than the intimate personal love of Jesus Christ that he has for you. Everything else pales in comparison. That doesn't mean everything else isn't real. It means it pales in comparison. And I know that through my own. I mean, if, if you read the book, you can see how many different loves I went to. And, and I, I do, I did love those people. Could have I loved them better? Absolutely. Was I loving them as Christ called? No, absolutely not. Um, but I did care for them. But I'm telling you now, there's nothing, 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 no person, no woman, no man, no relative, no career that is greater than the love that Jesus Christ has for us. And I want everybody to experience, I'd be a jerk um, to not share of that love because it's available and free for all. There is a cost. There is a cost. Well, Jesus gave on Calvary Hill his blood, but there is going to be, there needs to be a response. And I pray, I pray that if you struggle with same-sex attraction, um, that you give Jesus a chance to be Lord over your life, not just over your sexuality. Look, I prayed all my life that God would take the desires for women away from me, that God would stop those feelings inside of me. But it wasn't until I said, Jesus, I give you my desires for women. I give you my fear of being alone. I give you everything I've got. Please be God over my life. Um, that is when everything changed. The, the world says that, that love is give and take, but I'm sorry, that's not scriptural. Love is to give and to receive, right? There's no taking in love. And so in that, look at your relationship with him. Try dating Jesus instead of everybody else in the world, right? And, and see what happens. And, and trust me, I had the fear of, oh my gosh, if I date Jesus, I'm going to be a nun. And God bless him. God bless him. I mean, and who knows, you know, but yep. for me, it was like, I don't want to be a nun. You know, I don't want to be a you let them be the nuns, you know, and, and, but it was really now I'm in a place where I'm like, oh, Lord, is that what you got for me? And if you want that, you know, you have your way with me, whatever you want. I am yours. So do with me as you please. He no longer calls me slaves, but friends. And so I freely give my life to him every day. This is not, and, and throughout the day, it's not a, it's not a once a day, once a week on Sunday kind of thing. This is a daily throughout the day surrender. That is so good. Kim, I know we are we are scratching the surface of, of your story, which is shared so, so well in your new book, Restless Heart. And I know that we've also touched on a couple of uh, of other subjects that I'd love people to learn more about, Unforgotten Faces and then Overcome, which is a way that you minister to people experiencing same-sex attraction and supporting their families. So as we wrap up the conversation for women who are wanting to dive deeper into your story, to learn more about your ministries, where can they find a copy of your new book, Restless Heart, about your nonprofit, Unforgotten Faces, and find out more about Overcome? Yeah, so uh, the book is available pretty much everywhere. Um, it's available uh, direct through Sophia Institute, um, and then it's available on Amazon and uh, tons of it. It's actually available uh, through Barnes & Noble as well. Um, so it's in the it's in the secular world as well. Um, and yeah, regarding Unforgotten Faces, uh, you can go to unforgottenfaces.org uh, to find out more. Um, all the proceeds of the book actually are going to Unforgotten Faces to to serve the ministry that we have there. Um, and then Overcome is set up for just people who need to know they're not alone. Look, dude, I can't change anyone. <laughs> I couldn't even change myself. So I surely know I can't change anyone else. And um, but it's just a place for people to know. Wait, I'm not alone. It's a lot of the videos and, and different things that I've done are, are on there just for, I needed it. I needed that when I was younger and, and ser searching and seeking truth. Um, I needed someone to know what I was going through. Um, and it's so important that you know you're not alone. 
you know, that you're not an outcast, um, but that God loves you and he has a beautiful plan for you. And so Overcome um, has, has grown into a place to say, wow, I'm not alone and I'm not crazy and I can talk about this um, and I can, I can seek the Lord um, in my journey and, and not feel shame and guilt and condemnation, um, but truly, truly go after Jesus's heart. Um, and every time we do, uh, he's always present. And so that's my hope. Um, I don't, I didn't want another ministry. Um, I didn't want unforgotten faces, to be honest. Uh, and, and I mean that not in a bad way, but it's just, you know, um, but the Lord is good and, and he brings us together and, and where he desires to reveal himself, uh, he does. And so I pray that whatever ministry or book it might be, that that he is the one that is glorified. Kim, this conversation has been beautiful. You know, on this podcast, I have different conversations with Catholic women about their experience and, and their journey back to the Father's heart. And we explore really what it what it means to live out the feminine genius, that it isn't kind of this cookie cutter mold that we have to shove ourselves into as women, but it's something unique that each woman lives out. So uh, my last yeah. question that I, that I ask every guest who comes on the show is this one. Kim, how do you live out the feminine genius, especially as a woman sharing your experience with same-sex attraction and your desires for joy and peace and rest in the heart of the God? I find it through uh, seeking Jesus. And in that, I'm finding that a life of holiness, right? The the life of sanctification is actually what brings who I really am. Uh, it shaves away all the things I think I am or, or think I need to be. Um, and I just, I, the more that God's heart is revealed to me, the more clarity I'm getting on who I really am, my identity in Christ instead of my identity um, in the world. And it has been something I know I will never reach, you know, the top of, which is exciting to me. It's like, wow, it's never, I'm never going to be done learning about God and about myself. And so for me, I'm learning that, you know, I don't have to be the girl uh, in the dress um, and amen to the girl in the dress, (laughs) but that femininity is actually, and I talked about this on a, a show not too long ago, is that femininity is that God created me as a woman and that heart that he's given me and the sensitivity that he's given me. Um, I might, you know, not walk the most feminine or I might be able to swing a bat better than a boy, but that doesn't mean that I'm a boy, that my femininity is the care. And I can see that in Ethiopia, the way that he has built me to love on these kids and to love for them. Um, like that mother's heart, though I didn't birth any child of my own, you can't have a surgery to give yourself a mother's heart. And so only God can do that. And so I just, the continued seeking of of the heart of Christ has revealed who I truly am as a woman and as a bride to him. Kim, thank you so much for coming on Letters to One and sharing your story. This has just been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely blessed. Thanks for listening to this episode of Letters to Women. Head over to my website, oldfashionedgirlblog.com, or just scroll down in your podcast player to access the show notes for today's episode. There you're going to find links to Kim's book, Restless Heart, which is published by Sophia Institute Press, links to her nonprofit, Unforgotten Faces, and more information about the ministry that she does through Overcome. Make sure you're subscribed to Letters to Women wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss a new episode. And if you've enjoyed the conversations that we've had here on the Letters to Women podcast, give the podcast a rate and review to help other women find this resource. I cannot wait to share some of the upcoming conversations that I have in store for you. We're going to be talking about the sacred heart, what it means to be an intentional gift giver during an overly hectic and commercialized Christmas and Advent season, and the art of homemaking in upcoming episodes, and you don't want to miss any of them. Follow me on Instagram at Chloe Langer to stay in touch with me between episodes of Letters to Women, and until next time, be not afraid.